So turn in your Bibles this morning to John chapter 17, and let's look at verse 23. We're talking this morning about abounding in the love of God. Abounding in the love of God. From John chapter 17, verse 23, a very familiar verse of Scripture. It says, I am them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So we see from the Scripture that the Father God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. And since he does, that means that you and I can face life with absolutely no fear. When we have an understanding of the Father's great love for us, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist in this kind of love. As a matter of fact, it dispels fear and turns it out of doors. Amen? Because of the great love of God, you and I have been made more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And I've discovered several scriptures, if love be for us, thank God who can be against us. I'm here to tell you, love is for you, love is on the inside of you, and because of His great love, hallelujah, you can face life fearlessly. Paul prayed for a revelation of this kind of love for the church at Ephesus. Of course, what belongs to the church at Ephesus belongs to the church in the Bay Area. He prayed that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of God. And that we would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, and what is the depth and the height of this great love. And that we might know the love of Christ which passes knowledge and that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. That is, may we have the richest measure of his divine presence and become a body holy, filled and flooded with love himself. And so there are four dimensions of this great love. Oh, thank God. The four dimensions are it's long, it's wide and it's deep and it's high. How long is God's love? I'll tell you one thing. It's long enough to last forever. God's never going to stop loving you. How wide is the love of God? It's wide enough to be anywhere. There's no place that you can't go without the love of God meeting you right there. How deep is God's love? It's deep enough to handle any problem that you've got. Somebody said, but Pastor Mark, I am in the pits. His love is deeper than any pit that you've ever been in. And his love is deeper than any pit that you will ever be in. Come on, somebody. Shout amen. How high is God's love? It is high enough to overlook your mistakes. Aren't you glad for the love of God? <clears throat> to quote a great friend of this ministry, Keith Hershey, God is not mad at you, but he is mad you can do better. God is not mad at you. He is mad about... Woo! Glory to God. And so Paul right into the church at Philippi. He's praying that your love would abound more and more. In knowledge and in all discernment. That you may come to know for yourselves the love of Christ which passes knowledge. I believe that God wants our church and us individually to grow in the love of God. Thessalonians says that you may increase more and more in this love. Another translation says, keep it up and get better and better at God's love. You know, Jesus gave us a new commandment. 
He said in John 13, 34 and 35, and I want you to read this with me. Ready? Read. He said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also... Now notice in verse 35, read it with me. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Oh, hallelujah. He didn't say if you dress real nice and come to church. He didn't say if you talk to talk but don't walk to walk. No, the way that this world is going to know, the way that this world is going to see the love of God, he's going to see it through men and women like you and like me. And when they see the real love of God, they are going to come to Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus will love the hell right out of people. Need I say it again? There was a day in my life. See, I was full of hell. But I got born again March 17, 1975. And hell moved out. And heaven moved in. Woo, glory to God. Mark Hankins grew up in the church and he said, Jesus loved the hell right out of me. He said, I went to church and they tried to preach the hell out of me. He said, I went to school and they tried to teach the hell out of me. I went to jail and they tried to rehabilitate the hell out of me. I went home and my dad tried to beat the hell out of me. But when I went to Jesus, he loved the hell right out of me. How to get hell out and heaven in? Come to Jesus, the lover of my soul. Jesus, the one who makes me whole. Jesus, the sweet rose of Sharon. Jesus, the great peace giver. Jesus, the son of the living God. Let's shout Jesus. Amen. Woo, glory to God. Now, we're supposed to love one another, not talk about one another, not hate one another, not judge one another. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican or whatever the case may be, we need to let the love of God dominate us in this day and in this hour. He would never have told you to love one another if he did not give you the ability to do so. He said in Romans 5, verse 5, he said that the love of God, the very love of God has been shed abroad in your head. Now you live by your head, you'll get in big trouble. No, this God kind of love is shed abroad in your heart and it's given by the Holy Ghost that dwells in you. In the year 2003, in the month of July, the last night of camp meeting, Kenneth E. Hagin, my spiritual father, and many of you spiritual fathers, preached one of his last messages, for he went on to be with the Lord in September of 2003. And I watched that message last night, and there was such a great anointing all over it. It was powerful, and it was wonderful. And his last message he ever preached at camp meeting was how to walk in the love of God. And he instructed that congregation there that night that if you would take 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 in the Amplified Version, and if you would read it daily and speak it daily, daily and practice it daily, that it would literally change your life and it would bring great breakthroughs and turnarounds in your life. 
You see, God wants us to cultivate this love that he's placed on the inside of us. But we must give attention to the description of what love is and what the definition of love is. For in the definition of love, we will see how we are to love one another. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. You know, he was a prophet. What a wonderful man of God. Next year, he'd be 100 years old. Oh, don't you know, he's shouting up and down the streets of glory today. Probably kicking his leg, having a brush arbor spell out there in glory. Amen. Oh, thank God for his example of faith, his example of the Holy Spirit, his example of prayer. But most of all, I thank God for his example of walking in the love of God. And the Holy Ghost came upon him. And in essence, and I'm paraphrasing, this is what the Spirit said through him. That if you will do this, if you will act on what I'm telling you to do, sickness and disease will flee from you. If you'll walk in the realm of the miraculous, and if you'll walk in the love of God, sickness will no longer be an issue. And then the Spirit of the Lord said, if you will do what I'm instructing you to do, those things that have tormented your soul, that anxiety, that fear, and that depression also will be, come on, a thing of the past. Do you suppose the prophet was speaking from the throne of God? Do you suppose the same truth is real for us in 2016 right here in the Bay Area that it was in 2003 in downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma? Hallelujah. I believe that one of the keys to walk to, to, to a healthy life is keeping your tongue. Walking in the love of God. And the last thing he said, that if you will do the things that I'm telling you to do, instructing you to do by the Spirit of God, those financial breakthroughs, those things that you've prayed about that have not come yet, the Spirit of God said, the money will come. Oh, glory to God. And so I prophesy to you today, if you'll walk in love, sickness and disease will flee away. Mental torment shall be a thing of the past and the money will come. Hallelujah. And so what do you say we grow up and we grow in the love of God? So I just want to take time this morning. I don't have a long word, but I've got a good word. And the word I want to bring to you today is abounding in love, developing in love. So let's take a look at what Dad looked at in 2003 at his last meeting there in Tulsa. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Are you ready? Amen. Amen. In verse 4, it says, love. This love on the inside of you endures long. It is patient and kind. It is never envious. It doesn't boil over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. Thank God this love on the inside of you endures long. You know, human love is conditional, whereas the God kind of love is unconditional. You know, when you're tempted to give up on people because of their mistakes, consider the fact that God never gave up on you because of your mistakes. Oh, thank God the love of God endures long. And it's patient and it's kind while it does it. Love is consistently and constantly the same at all times. It says, I am here for you when you fail. 
This love on the inside of you is kind. What does that mean, kind? It means that you're disposed to go, to, to, to do good to others. To make other people's day. Amen? Don't you know when you walk into a restaurant, you can make someone's day? You can light up other people's life simply because the Spirit of God is upon you. And you can be an atmosphere changer because of the love of God flowing through you. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. This love on the inside of us is kind. The Scripture says that we are to be kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love, preferring one another. This God kind of love on the inside of you prefers your brothers and your sisters. It takes delight in honoring one another. This love on the inside of you is not envious. Now, I know I'm preaching real good right now. You know that envy leads to strife. And envy leads to confusion and to every evil work. We should not be envious of our brothers and sisters when they get a breakthrough. The Bible says we are to rejoice, come on, with those who rejoice. I mean, someone walks into the church with a new tie on, a sister walks with a new dress on. Your attitude shouldn't be, well, I haven't had a new tie, a new dress for 20 years. Your attitude should be, thank you, Lord God, me too. Hallelujah. My God is no respecter of persons. It'll change your life when you put envy on your feet, under your feet. When you put jealousy under your feet and you authentically and genuinely honor and prefer your brothers and sisters by getting happy about their breakthroughs. Amen. Oh, glory to God. And so this love is not boastful. What does it mean to be boastful? Well, it means to speak high praise of yourself or of your positions. It means to glory in oneself. It's not haughty. What is a haughty person? Well, a haughty person has a high opinion of themselves and shows contempt toward others. I heard Keith Moore say many, many years ago, he said, I'm neither inferior nor superior to anyone. Think about it. I'm neither inferior nor am I superior to anyone. Amen. Pastor Tom did a tremendous job about humility is where you're help comes from. And if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, come on somebody, he is going to exalt you and bring promotion into your life. Oh, praise God. Love is not conceited. It doesn't entertain a flattering or erroneous opinion of himself or herself. In verse five, it says it is not conceited. It is not inflated with pride. It is not rude. It is not un unmannerly. Amen. It does not act unbecomingly. This love on the inside of you is not rude. People that are in Christ ought to be nice. I know some of you have been naughty. I was kind of naughty last week. I've got to be honest with you. You know, sometimes when I get tired and get a little fatigued and maybe don't get enough sleep, I get a little curt and I get a little short with people. And uh, Brenda looks at me like, what? You sound like your mom. <laughs> now, mom's with Jesus. Amen. 
But mom had a little sarcasm about her, you know. And, and she'd get a little frown on her face. when You didn't have to wonder whether she didn't like something or not. And she'd look at me when I'd get a little curt or short with somebody. And she'd say, okay, Fran, stop it. You know, just because you're tired doesn't give you a right to be a nincompoop. Not only that, but just because you may be in a little pain in your body doesn't give you the right to be ugly to people. You can put that under. And you can keep it under. And you can walk in the life of God. And you can walk in the love of God even when you don't feel like it. I found a scripture in the Bible that says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, we walk by what the Word says, not necessarily by how we feel. One of the other things that I really learned from Dad Hagen, and of course he'd been in this church many times, he said this, We must be quick to repent. We must be quick to forgive. And quick to believe God. So if you find yourself in a situation where you haven't let love flow through you, maybe it's in a restaurant or maybe it's on the freeway, maybe it's in a situation in a relationship, if you've been of ill temper, repent quickly. Forgive quickly. And believe God quickly. Now the Bible says don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. I mean, when the sun goes down, don't let it find you holding a grudge. We need to let go of all of those things and lay them aside and walk. Come on, somebody say, walk in the love of God. It goes on to say God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. This love on the inside of us is not selfish. Here's what the selfish life is. The selfish life is the empty life. The selfish life is the self-centered life. The selfish life is the miserable life. But oh, the giving life, the loving life, is the fulfilling life. The giving life, the unselfish life, it is the satisfying life. So get your heart and your mind off of yourself and get it on others. And just every day, purpose in your heart to be a blessing. Raise your right hand and say, Lord, make me a blessing to someone today. The rest of verse 5 says this. It's not touchy. It's not fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. What this is saying to us today is this. Love does not take offense. Love is not super sensitive. Love does not harbor resentment. Love is not touchy. This love on the inside of you does not keep a record of offenses. But rather, love forgives, love releases, and love lets things go. You know, Jesus said something very important in Luke 17 and verse 1 through 3. He said, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him.
And if he trespasses against you seven times in a day, uno day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee saying, I repent, thou shalt slug him three times and then forgive him. Oh, yes, and pray for his healing. No. Thou shalt forgive him. And here's what the apostles said, like some of you are saying right now, Oh, Jesus, increase our faith. And that's a revelation that many have not gotten yet. And that is this, that we love by faith and we forgive by faith. Faith worketh by love. Andy Stanley said this, Forgiveness is simply a decision to cancel a debt. The Bible talks about being quick to forgive. And I've discovered this. The longer that we wait, the harder it is to let it go. So what we need to do with resentments is we need to get rid of those before it takes root in our lives. Because if bitterness and resentment develops a root system in our lives, sooner or later it's going to spring up and it's going to file us and bring all sorts of hellish things into our lives. And I know you as, as your pastor, I know you do not want hellish things in your life. You want heavenly things in your life. But to be a candidate and position for that, we must be abounding in the love of God. Claire Barton, the founder of the American Red Cross, was reminded one day of a vicious deed that someone had done to her years before. She acted as if she had never heard of it before. And one of her co-workers says, don't you remember it? Her friend asked. Claire Barton just looked at her and said, no, I distinctly remember forgetting it. And some of you need to stop rehearsing your hurts of the past. Yes, you've been hurt. But no more savory de bastikene. There's bomb in Gilead. Oh, he'll pour in the oil and the wine. And as you stop talking about it and rehearsing it, your healing shall spring forth speedily. And it shall be as if it never happened before. For it's a new day and it's a new season. So rejoice and be glad. Amen. Amen. So don't let the past cripple you today. Here's what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said, in one bold stroke, forgiveness obliterates the past and permits us to enter into the land of new beginnings. New beginnings and a new season. Quickly to turn to Ephesians 4, 31 and verse 32. Ephesians 4, verse 31 and verse 32. And I want you to read this because Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and what belongs to them belongs to us. Ready? Read. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Let it go. These things are spiritual contraband for believers. Notice verse 32. Let's read that one together. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has what? He has forgiven you. 
And then look at Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, and let's read that one together. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, tells us to be followers or imitators of God as dear children. In other words, we're to follow the example of His love in our lives. As well-beloved children, imitate their Father. Read verse 2 with me. Verse 2 says, And walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another, as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a slain offering and a sacrifice to God for you, so that it became a sweet fragrance. Now notice verse 3 and 4. We might as well go through this. Verse 3 and 4 says, But immorality, sexual vice, and all impurity of lustful, rich, wasteful living, or greediness, must not be even named among you as fitting and proper among God's saints, God's consecrated people. Now verse 4 is what I want to get to. Verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, obscenity, indecency, nor foolish and sinful, silly and corrupt talk, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting or becoming, but instead voice your thankfulness to God. Now here is a big key to not entering into conversations and judgment about other people. You ever been in a situation where people tried to draw you in and get your opinion? Really, what that boils down to many times is character assassination. And even if those things are true, it's not lovely. It's not a good report. There's no virtue in it. We are not, uh, not only not to think about it, but we are not even to speak about it. So, Pastor Mark, what do I do when people try to draw me in? Did you hear about this brother? Did you hear about this sister? Rather, the Bible says, instead, voice your thankfulness to God. I mean, right in the midst of the, congreg- of, of the, of the, the meeting or wherever you might be of the conversation, you can just start praising God and thanking God. It's kind of like Mark Hankins' mother. I want Brenda to tell this. This is really funny. But uh, I want you to come up here, sweetheart, and tell this. This is an example of what you can do so that you don't enter into strife and enter into conversations that are not fitting for God's kids. And we were just listening to this. Mark Hankins grew up in a family uh, preachers, his grandfather, his two brothers and sister, they're all in the ministry. So when they get together for family gatherings, sometimes Christians can be really brutal. And they were all from different, you know, do- denominations, this and that. So he said they would, they'd get the latest on everybody from this sect to that sect and whatever. And his mother had been gloriously healed from depression and she had made a decision she was not going to enter into strife or dissension of any kind. So when her kids and in-laws would start talking about somebody else she'd be sitting at the table and she'd just uh, quietly softly start singing this old song let's talk about jesus and the more they'd talk the louder she'd get let's talk about jesus he is the king of kings he is the lord of lords i don't remember all the words let's it's an old song about jesus. yeah <laughs> louder and louder and louder until she drowned all of them out And they got the message, well, mom doesn't want to talk about them. She wants to talk about Jesus. So let's just do that. They thought there might be something wrong with her mentally. 
was when that was when she was older. Then she was like in their late 80s, and they had a, a care person that was there uh, taking care of her. And everybody in the little home was talking about one another, and you know, backbiting and all of that. And she's sitting in this little wheelchair, singing this song, "Let's Talk About Jesus." And so her daughter came to visit one day, and the caretaker said, "We think that your mom's losing it mentally. She just, you know, she just sits and sings this song." She said, "No." She doesn't like what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the devil does like you to talk about people. The devil does like you to judge people. Now, why would he like that so much? Because he knows that if you judge someone, you will be judged with the same measure that you've just dealt out. And that's how he gets into a lot of Christians' lives, through their corrupt communication, through their filthy conversation about another brother or sister, even filthy conversation about many things. The Bible says, don't give the devil any place. Here's something that's golden that I want you to get a hold of. You are not required to give your opinion or to make a decision, or to be a judge on somebody else's life, you are not qualified to judge anyone. Let me retract that. The only one that you're qualified to judge is yourself. Now the Bible says, if we judge ourselves, we shall not be judged. So when you walk into a room, people shouldn't be saying, you come to judge. (laughs) And it's very subtle. It's very subtle. Brenda and I have been in ministry 40 years. And we've seen a lot of uh, things. Seen a lot of things. And seen a lot of relationships ruined. Because people had to prove their point. They had to prove that they were right and you were wrong. And it just destroys relationships. Isn't it better just to talk about Jesus? Isn't it it really better to give thanksgiving to God than to assassinate someone's character? Now you may see a person that is literally going through something and it's real. And they have brought that on themselves. But you know what the first thing you ought to do when you see that? You ought to look and see if there is a log in your eye. The Bible says, why beholdest the mote that is in your brother's eye when you have a two by four? Come on. When you have a two by four... In your own eye. So one of the first things you need to do when you see things, and you will see some things, but God doesn't show you things to talk about them. God shows you things to pray about things and not call up all your little prayer warriors. (laughs) 45 minutes later, oh, by the way, pray. The devil is a liar. 
This is more serious than I think that we realize. Judging others is not acceptable for a child of love. Now, what you can do is if people will give you access into their lives and want to talk to you about something that's going on, you look at your life and you see what God's brought you through. Like Pastor Tom last week was talking about all that God brought him through. I got a question for you. Has God brought you through some things? And so here's what love would do. The love of God on the inside of you would put your arm around that brother or put your arm around that sister and say, you know, God did this for me. He's brought me a mighty long way. And I just know that he'll do the same thing for you. And you know, at that point in time, people don't need a lot of preaching. They don't need four points and five points and this and that. What people really need is they need a friend. You got a friend in me. They need a friend. They need someone just to be there for them. Unforgiveness, my brothers and sisters, is a killer. Strife is a killer. The enemy walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But if you will walk in love and abound in love, he'll never be able to devour you. Brother Hagin was teaching one day on the love of God. I want you to tell the mother-in-law story. She's such a good little preacher. She helps me all the time. Come on, sweetie. So he was in this church and he was preaching on the love of God. And he read the scripture that says, if you hate your brother, you know, you're worse than a mother, a murderer. Murderer. And then he just felt impelled. And he said, and if you hate, that includes your mother-in-law too. So after the meeting... They went out to eat with the pastor and his wife, and the pastor's wife said to Brother Hagin, Brother Hagin, you've got me in a mess. And he said, Sister, I I didn't get you in a mess. What do you mean? And she said, Well, I hate my mother-in-law. And he said, You know, he knew that she really didn't, but she kept saying, I hate my mother-in-law. Well, come to find out, her mother-in-law, she had three girls and then she had a son who this lady had married and she just felt like you know no no girl was good enough for her boy so she had all this resentment and bitterness toward her mother-in-law so he said to her sister i want you to look me in the face and say i hate my mother-in-law so she did it and then he said what happened when you said that she said there was a little scratching down here on the inside. He said, that's your spirit. Your spirit does not hate your mother-in-law. That's just your flesh. You know, we all have flesh to deal with. So he, she said, well, what am I going to do? He said, you're going to act like the Bible's true. You're going to let your spirit dominate. And you're going to love your mother-in-law. So she decided that she was going to do that. She uh, invited her mother-in-law and her three sister-in-laws over to their house after one of the night services. Had such good, rich fellowship. She came and whispered to Brother Hagin, 
you know, I don't hate my mother-in-law. She's a good lady. And then the other side, you want to tell about the little girl? Yeah. The other side of the coin was that they had a three-year-old little girl who had terrible epileptic seizures. And she was just having an awful time. The doctors couldn't find anything to help her. So one night after she had said this to Brother Hagen and he'd given her this lesson, she decided to walk in love. They called before church and they said, can you come and pray for our little girl? She's about to go into one of these epileptic fits. So he went over to the house, and he, as he was getting there, the Spirit of God said, I don't want you to lay hands on the little girl. I don't want you to pray for her. I want you to go to the mother, and I want you to tell her to do this. Devil, I'm walking in love now. Yeah. You can't touch yes. my little girl. Come on. And he didn't pray. The mother did it. She had the authority, and she said it. Devil, I'm walking in love now. You can't touch my little girl. I command this epilepsy to stop. Immediately the seizure stopped and she never had Ooh, another one. Glory to God. Power in forgiveness and power in walking in the love of God. Oh, yeah. So here's what Jesus said. He said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And then he said, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. But he said something very golden in Mark 11:25. He says, Right when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. He didn't say if you have aught against many, but he says if there's anyone in your life that you're holding a grudge against, if you want the scenery to change in your life, if you want the mountains to move, if you want this faith that takes what belongs to you to operate properly, you must let go and get rid of unforgiveness. And so I want to lead you this morning in a confession of faith. I want to ask you this morning, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, we're not going to take a lot of time with this, but I know that the enemy has gotten a foothold in some of your people's lives, and I know that this is a major key for your breakthrough in your life. Brother Copeland was in Omaha, Nebraska one day, And he had a vision of a pipe that was clogged up. And on one end of the pipe, there was just just a flood of water flowing into the pipe. But on the other end of the pipe, there was just like a little, a little squirt coming out. And God showed him that pipe is your spirit. And he says, I desire to fill you with all the fullness of God. I'm unlimited in my power for you, but you're not allowing my power to flow through you because it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's the little attitudes. It's the little nine nickel and dime things, these strife things that are preventing my power to be at full operation in your life. And so the Lord showed him how to purge the pipe. And this morning, I believe that there are some pipes that need to be purged. And I'm not going to ask for people to come forward. But if you're here today and there's something going on in your life that you are just so tempted to be bitter about and just so 
angry about and just holding on. The Spirit of God is saying, let it go. Let it glow, go. And let my spirit begin to flow in your life afresh and anew. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just on the inside of you, check up. Maybe you've been judgmental. Maybe you've been critical. Maybe there's these things in your life that you'd like to get rid of today. I want to ask for a show of hands while no one is looking around. Say, yeah, pastor, that's me. I want to pray that prayer all over this auditorium. Just raise your hand. Say, yeah, yes, thank you. God bless you. All over the auditorium. Just raise your hand. All right, all right, all right. Let's do this. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to ask Pastor Tom to come to the piano. I'm telling you, we're doing business with God today. I believe that forgiveness can turn things around in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stop taking matters into your own hand. You know, there was a preacher that was upset with another preacher. And, man, he was ready to go over to his house and just punch him out. And just, I mean, wail on him. But there was an older wise minister there with him. And this is what he told him. He said, you might be able to whip a skunk, but you not, might not want to. Because when you're finished, you'll smell just like him. <laughs> Let's all hold our hands toward heaven. Even those of you that are already done this, declare this with me. I stand on 1 Corinthians 13 and Ephesians 4.32. I'm commanded to forgive just like you've forgiven me because I walk in love I choose to forgive I release, release anyone of anything they said about me or done to me I am a forgiver I refuse to harbor unforgiveness, bitterness, and anger. I choose to love like you. I send it away. I dismiss it. I release it. I lay aside the bitterness. I let go of the anger. By the blood of Jesus, His cleansing blood, I wipe it out. I eradicate the offense. I refuse to hold on to it any longer because love forgives as an act of my will. I forgive. I forgive by faith in obedience to the Word of God. And now I declare that I am free in Jesus' name. Forgive us, O oh Lord, of those times we've judged other people. Those times we've been critical. We judge ourselves and we apply the blood of Jesus to our spirit, to our soul, and to our body. In the name of Jesus, it's a new day for me. It's a new season. 
I declare my health springs forth speedily. I will believe the best of every person from this day forward. And I will leave the rest in your capable hands. Lord, I thank you that your love never fails. Therefore, I declare that I am prospering and that I am a success in life. Whatever I do shall prosper because I'm abounding in, I'm growing in, and I'm excelling in, oh, the love of God. Oh, come on, let's give him praise today. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, my kesh, shalabana.